so yeah, you got this this boom arm. My, mine was like yeah, twelve bucks or whatever, and it's it's good enough. Yeah, you. So I was at your house for, I think there was like just a weekend where Mary was free, and yeah. we were hanging out, and you were telling me you're like I, I saw or I, I walked by your desk and I saw you had your podcast set up with your microphone with your fancy Rode mic, which by the way I am. I seriously considered buying as well because it's a very nice looking mic. Even though I have this very nice Yeti, I just was like, "Oh, that looks really shiny. I yeah. want it." Um, I but think I saw the you... same price, right? Oh yeah, they're rough about the same price. The, yeah. the only difference is that yours requires like a an amp, but that's like part of the process of doing more professional podcasting. But, um, anyways, I saw your setup. And I saw that you had a boom arm, and I was like, or you had a microphone arm, and I was like, man, I really wish I could get one of those. And you were like, oh, don't you have a lip on your desk? And I was like, no, I don't. I've got this crazy Ikea thing, and it doesn't have a lip. Um, But then I realized I have this hole where all the cords for my computer, like my monitor and all this other stuff, goes down into the desk. And so I was like, fuck it. I'll spend $12 or $15, whatever this costs, because I think I got the same one as you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'll just buy it, and if it doesn't fit, then whatever. My next desk will have an arm. And lo and behold, it actually held it, like, fit, and it was perfect. And, like, now that I think about it, I've looked at other people's setups online. They have the exact same setup that I do. They're just using this arm or a different arm, and I just ignored it. Like, for years, Rob, I've been recording my fucking podcast for, like, four years, and I've wanted a boom arm for forever. And I just – I was like, oh, no, it's never going to fit until I saw yours (laughs) and how, like – small it was actually because i thought it was a much bigger like screw-in mechanism yeah Um, i had no idea what to expect i mean it it works like a charm i love it outside of the part where i'm not going to do this but you tap one of these things and you can hear all the springs just go bong yeah 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 but yeah it's (laughs) it's it's totally i don't know it's it's decluttered my desk in a weird way even though it's a much bigger apparatus than like the stand yeah it doesn't kind of like shift it yeah, yeah, I can shift it away from my desk, which is the most important thing. But and then when I'm ready for a show like this, I can just swing it over and you know be comfortable talking into it. Whereas before, I, had to, I felt like I had to hunch over my desk a little bit to kind of talk into the mic. And now I'm like, I can actually bring it to my mouth level and sit more comfortably. Um, yeah, it's 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 changed the way that I do podcasting, and it only <laughs> took me four and a half years to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I honestly never thought that I would need it. Um, I was just getting it because I was excited about this new microphone. So I was like, oh, I'll just treat myself and I'll get some other like accoutrement with it. Um, the the other microphone I had was it's pretty sensitive. Um, I guess that's the term, but it would you know I didn't have to be right up on it. I could do that if I wanted to, just turn mm-hmm. down the gain really low and then get up close. But um, it gave me a lot of flexibility. I could just leave it at the desk and I could just talk at the desk. But this new microphone is set up in such a way that you have to be like right up on top of it. And but it, it looks so professional. It looks like I know. a professional podcaster. Like you watch, I don't know, I watch some <laughs> YouTube videos of people who do podcasts and they are using mics that look similar to yours. That very specific conic shape is to me like iconic when it comes to podcasting. And you've yeah, got yeah. that. It was very broadcasting. Yes, but, but exactly. I was just thinking that I think the justification I would make for this is it allows me to be up close, and if I need to shift in my chair or lean back or lean forward, then I can just gently move this thing, whereas right. the other one I would like have to drag it on the desk and it could be more noisy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as usual, I don't have any type of introduction for this show, Uh <laughs> This is, sorry to get back on topic, we're already off topic. Yeah, well, you asked me about the microphone stand, and I was like, you know what, we should just record this. There you go. 
And um, Josh is out again. <laughs> he was he was in last month and kind of dropped this bomb about moving and changing jobs and finding his birth family. Yeah, and, that was a killer episode, man. <laughs> it's kind of funny to have like a commentary on the actual podcast <laughs> about the previous episode. Well, I'm a big fan. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I listen yeah. to it every time it comes out. You you are our first repeat guest. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and um yeah, so I just, you know, I was setting up a little uh, schedule, I'm thinking, to keep us more regular and try to do sort of on a monthly basis. And uh, so I thought, all right, I'll just put some time in Josh's calendar and we'll just stick to that. And then, mm-hmm. of course, it comes time to record and he's like, oh, hey, man, I'm really busy with work. <laughs> of course, of course. As usual. Which I, I guess I can't blame him for that. But, it, you know, the website is Josh and Rob. Gonna have yeah. to change the domain. <laughs> no, um, I'm sure he'll be back around. But uh, I'm kind of now that I've done a few guests, that I don't really, you know, I don't have to stick to it just being me and Josh and or you know a certain type of guest. So now I'm just kind of inviting anyone I I run into. Hey, come in, <laughs> come be on my on podcast. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, it's funny. I was I was chatting with this guy, um, a beer. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I think we we're we we're catching up over drinks. Uh, him and and my other friend Ryan, and we're sort of old designer friends. And the the funny thing was that usually when I hang out with designers, we just inevitably talk about work. But mm-hmm. these guys, we talked about everything. But we talked about like acid and LSD and astral what? projection <laughs> and <laughs> different types of drugs and ethereal stuff and just life and what it's like to buy a plot of land he bought a plot of land upstate and all this stuff and um i don't know but i i asked him hey should be on the podcast because we can record this rambling for an hour uh so maybe we'll find out why he bought a a plot of land in one of these upcoming episodes (laughs) is that a thing you're supposed to do as you get older you're supposed to like just buy real estate or something like you don't even have to live in it you don't have to use it you just kind of own it as to say like look i have equity I I feel like I feel like my parents did that and then it like really really backfired on them like they Oh really? Yeah, I mean not like in it it like financially ruined the family or something like that, but I I remember mm-hmm. a long time ago at one point my parents they went out to Vegas or Reno or something like that or maybe this was like right after they got married or something. They went out to they were in Vegas cuz they got married in in Michigan and their honeymoon was like to Lake Tahoe, but they went to Vegas and Reno and stuff. Um, kind of stuff that you do out there in the desert. I don't know. It's not my thing. It's my mom and my dad's thing. And so I guess when they were out there, they either got duped or they were like, yeah, let's do this. And they bought a plot of land in Pahrump, Nevada, I think. And they sat on it for years and years and years thinking, you know, Hey, this is going to eventually, we bought it for really, really cheap. And I think really, really cheap was like, a couple like eight grand or something like that and i don't know if that's not really yeah. cheap that's a lot of money um but still mm-hmm. they they bought it for what they considered really really cheap and then eventually they were going to i think the plan was to build a house on it or build like a, a second house on it you know to say we're right. going to save up all this money and over after 35 years you know we're going to build this house um 
And then at one point, I think I must have been in like late middle school or early high school. My parents were like, holy shit, this land in Pahrump is actually going to get developed. And developers are trying to buy the plots back from people for like triple or quadruple the cost. So my parents could have served a gain, you know, like thirty or right. $40,000 from Sounds selling good. this property, which I was like, they, I, they were like cool. And I think what ended up happening is their former tax guy, this is key, their former <laughs> tax guy said, sit on it, make them offer you more. And then the next thing that happened was, I think maybe six months later, suddenly the development just fell under. They weren't going to build on it anymore, and it was worth less than when they bought it for something. Oh, because no. of like, I and I don't remember the specifics. Like they they of found it. some like sinkhole or whatever underneath or something yeah, bad, something like that that basically made the area not as valuable as the developers had originally thought. And so they were like, shit. And I, I think they did end up eventually selling it when it got back to roughly the amount of money they paid with inflation. Um, so they, and I think they kind of broke even on it. But at the time, I remember my parents both being like, this is worth like, they didn't give me numbers when I was younger, but they were like, this is worth like quadruple what we paid for it. It would be enough for, you know, for us to fix a thing in the house or pay for someone's college or yada, yada, yada. And it just never happened. And I, I always think like, man, that's a really weird risk to take, I, especially you yeah. know, it's 10 years later, 15 years later, and now it's like, is land worth that? Like, I don't know. I, I have this weird thought that land is disappearing in the country, and, like, because of climate change, like, nothing's going to be worth anything. We pretty much just need to move inland and underground. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you've taken a road trip, you know that there is a shit ton of land true, inland. True. I mean, you can just drive for days, and there's just... This is, you know, something also, I mean, obviously there's a difference between land and like desirable places to live, but like, it's funny when you just drive through the country or even fly over, it's just so empty. There's just tons of empty space. And when you hear people talking about like overcrowding or our president saying the country's full, (laughs) it just like makes me laugh. I'm like, "Uh, no, it's not. It's just everyone wants to, you know live closer to the cities and obviously where the jobs are and all that but right right but yeah i don't know i don't i feel like buying a piece of land is just too it's too daunting for me because that's like um i don't like having you know like chores or like a to-do list or anything (laughs) and so like nothing is more daunting than just an empty slate of like here's literal land now it's up to you to like build something (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it seems like there's a a lot of responsibility in that, which rightly so, right? Like you can't just own a piece of land and do nothing with it. I mean, I guess you can, yeah, yeah, but yeah. if you're going to do something beyond just owning it, it's going to require a ton of work or it's going to require a ton of money to pay someone to do said work. Um Yeah. It's just a, it's a weird balancing act, I guess. I don't know. I it's it's a thing that like you get beyond a certain economic range, I think. And then you just go, oh, let's buy some land and let's hire some people to develop it, and then we'll put a house on it. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't fathom doing something like that. Like I can do that right now with Seamless. I can be like, you know what? Let's <laughs> order that Indian food. Let's just have someone deliver it to us. Let's have I someone make it and deliver it to us. You know, and yeah. that's it's it's not a lot of money because it's thirty, forty, fifty bucks, depending. You know, because we're living in yeah. New York and it's crazy money, but still, it's. It's an interesting yeah. thing. Now, to think beyond that, multiply it by a thousand, right? When you're spending fifty thousand dollars, or you're spending a hundred thousand dollars just in a like in a snap, I, ooh, that it's like can't imagine. It blows my mind because like even buying something like, I mean, buying iPad, a car, or buying a car. <laughs> car is a perfect was, example. Yeah, <laughs> it's so much money that just in 
with a sign of a piece of paper and a charge on your credit card for you know 10% or whatever you however you do it you're committing to this massive amount of money and i mean student loan debt's the same kind of thing but at the end of the day the car is a physical thing that you'll own yeah you know? <laughs> unlike student loans where it's you can't like... drive your diploma <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> um i don't know i i i can't fathom that kind of money I don't think I I'll ever have to deal with those kind of money problems. Like I'd like to. Like in a, in an ideal world, it'd be nice to be like, oh, let's just blow fifty thousand dollars. But it's <laughs> it's like so irresponsible. No matter what, how much money you make or have, I, I don't remember what what like store it was or whatever. But um, I was walking through the city with a friend. I think it was uh, AB. Is it's a weird name like ABC Carpets or whatever. Uh, but it or home good. I don't know. It's a home goods store. It's not a carpet store, but I think carpets were in the name. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll figure it out later. But they everything in there is super expensive. I went in one day because it said they had a clearance sale. So I was like, oh, cool. I'll just see what kind of like stuff for the apartment. And they had a little like a, a candle, and I flipped it over, and it was a hundred dollars for oh a fucking Lord. candle. And I mean, I buy you know like thirty dollar candles, but a hundred is just insane <laughs> and that was the candle so of course every you know good coffee table or whatever for a few thousand and i was just thinking about how you know this, this kind of blows my mind but then i'm you know here i am with with my income and there are plenty of people who are multi-millionaires and on that scale you know to them a thousand dollars is it's like inflation or a conversion rate like mm-hmm. to a thousand to them could be you know 10 bucks to me so right. getting you know spending 30 40 on seamless is like oh let's just drop two grand on this nice rug yeah and i mean i think <laughs> that's like crazy a, it's a, it's a weird generalization to make but i can't imagine I, I gotta imagine it's harder to see the like nickels and dimes when you've got that much money you know oh I, yeah it, it, like kelly and i one day we were walking down we were in like the middle of New York, like in the very fancier areas, you know, where I guess, I don't know, where you, we walked by a Barney's for kids and I was like, oh my Lord, you know, this oh is like God. a very upper echelon type area. And there was a, like this store that we were like, oh, let's walk in. They've got like nice vases and different things that are on the wall that are like interesting I don't know, nature-ish looking. And inside it was just all precious stones. But not like diamonds and rubies and stuff like that, but like giant geodes as big as a dog, cracked in <laughs> half, and they were selling for like twenty five, thirty thousand dollars. And this whole wow. store was just that, like tons and tons of geodes and very beautiful crystals for for unbelievable amounts of money from all different sizes. And, you know, and from like you would just like what set it on your coffee table. That well, my thought is like, I mean, I I make oh, pretty good money in New York. Like I make enough to get by and live pretty comfortably, but like. I can't even imagine putting that. Like, I only have a square, 600 square foot apartment. Like, where would you even put that? <laughs> like, I, it blows my mind to think that people have that much space in the city and have that much money to spend on a thing to put in a room just to make it look cool. I, I mean, it's it's a it's an income that I just can't fathom. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's crazy. Anyway, I, I don't know how we got on that topic, but <laughs> buying know. buying. Land in buying land. Nevada yeah. is probably a bad investment, is my guess. Uh, probably, I don't know. Eventually, you want to own like a house or a condo or something that's going to, you know, appreciate and make money so that when you do sell it or if you ever decide to sell it, you know, it's going to be worth something. Uh, but 
yeah, I don't know. Owning owning just land to have land seems is, is odd to me because especially if it's so far away. Like I'd get it if you you know bought something here in New York City and you bought something upstate because you could go visit that. Whereas my parents buying land in Nevada makes no sense because it's three thousand miles away or whatever from Michigan. That's it's pretty such, crazy. Such a strange idea. It would have to be like beautiful where you're like, wow, I need to just have this. Yeah. But, I mean, I've been out to the desert in the middle of the country. I've been to New New Mexico and and Arizona. It's not great. It's not great land, guys. <laughs> it's not the best. <laughs> good uh, good view of the stars at night. That, that's yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you get far enough out of the city, at least. So yeah, um, I think we were going to talk about D and D or just games in general. Oh yeah, because so, a lot of new stuff with video games, and we've I, I've been, been playing D and D. Yeah, I was gonna say we've been playing D and D. Do you want to? Can you tell me? I, I love hearing the experience of people who aren't ten year plus players of D and D, like their thoughts on early role playing, because I know it's it's a whole brand new thing for you, right? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I I didn't even didn't even sign up for this <laughs> initially. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we were we, we were texting uh, our friend Nick and uh, and I was I was saying like man I wish there was a way that we could play like board games but online you know like with the camera pointed at the board or whatever yeah <clears throat> and then you were talking about tabletop games which I th- thought was the same thing as a board game <laughs> and I was like sure let's do it yeah yeah and then it kind of evolved into D and D and I was like all right why not I'll try it. Um, cause you had talked to me a lot about it and it sounds interesting the, the way you explain it, but I, I feel like, um, I, I can be pretty lazy with my games. So I hadn't really wanted to devote the energy into something like D and D or any type of role playing. Yeah. Uh, cause it, it asks a lot of the participant. You got to be creative. Um, you can't just passively enjoy it, I guess. Right. Um, right. And so, so it was kind of an adjustment. But then once, I think the first thing that I had to do was just come up with a backstory for my character. And so mm-hmm. I was kind of like thinking about what type of characters I like to read about in fiction or whatever. And uh, thought about all the sci-fi that I've been reading lately and how if I were to write my own kind of sci-fi character, what would that be? And once I got that down, I was getting pretty excited about it because I had this oh, okay, yeah, this would be kind of cool. Like, what would this character do? And what types of things would, would he discover? And, and you know, maybe things he would achieve and stuff like that. And uh, so then I was ready to go into the game and see how it would all play out. Now mm-hmm. the thing, and this is uh, I mean, this is kind of a an odd tangent, but I, I compare it to actually my work as a designer or... I guess it's pretty much any type of collaborative thing, but my profession is also collaborative. So uh, you might come up with an idea, like a design, and then you get feedback on it from the different stakeholders at work. And uh, after long enough, it ends up morphing into something that maybe you didn't expect um, or, you know, it kind of shifted away from the initial kind of baby that you had in mind. And the same thing happens with uh, this character where I kind of, created one had sort of a rough idea of where it would go and then as we started playing the the setting that was created and the interactions with the different people playing um i kind of had to 
adapt and uh and shift who i thought my character was so it's kind of right. i don't know it's it's cool like i'm i'm being creative um the problem solving is pretty fun because my type of character that i made up is more of like this scientist slash kind of wizard uh i mean the original idea was that it it my character wouldn't actually live in sort of a fantasy world like a, a wizard with a wand or anything right but it's more more of kind of like um science that is so advanced that it just appears to be magic Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what i was going for um but uh anyway in D, &D, of course you end up having battles and fighting things and i didn't think anything about preparing for a battle right right. so so here i am in these kind of situations where i have to adapt and think really strategically and then that turned out to actually make it like 10 times more fun of like how can i participate in a battle if i don't really have any weapons mm-hmm. and use these special abilities to maybe like distract an enemy or help a friend so yeah it's it's been cool in a nutshell i i mean that's that's all i want to hear that's fantastic i mean xander our dm who's like a mutual friend of well he's a friend of mine that like he edits my podcast he's He's a good buddy of mine, and he's been wanting to like GM a game like as a homebrew for a long time. And his my whole thing for a while was that I wasn't playing D anD D; I was just running games. And so he came mm-hmm. to me. He's like, "Hey, if you ever need a GM, just let me know." And so when Nick and Rob and I we were talking about it, I was like, "Okay, well, I'll talk to Xander, and I'm sure he's going to say yes." And of course, he was like, "Oh, you you want me to be the GM, really?" Like I I think we at that <laughs> point we had had the group conversation. And I was like. Oh my God, Xander! Shut the fuck up! I want you to be in. I want you to run this game. And mm-hmm. what I thought was really interesting is that he took, um, kind of suggestions from all of us about what we wanted out of the game, like how we wanted to approach it. And you know, D and D is a lot of it's a lot of number crunching. Sometimes it's a lot of like you got to strategize, kind of like what you talked about. But you know, they, we played a whole session the other day, and we didn't have a single combat. We traveled. Yeah. We we figured things out. Like, there were some moments of contention and, sus- and suspense, but, like, we never had to roll initiative. We just played the game and kind of role-played the entire time, which I mm-hmm. think we had all kind of said, hey, that's not, like, fighting isn't necessarily a huge component of what I want to get what I want to get out of it. It's, like, telling a really cool story, discovering really interesting things, and I think, like, Xander has brought a lot of that to the table, like mystery after mystery. Oh, after yeah, quest. so like, cool. I like the, the mystery-solving aspect. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think he's... I don't know what he's doing for lore, and it makes me really envious and jealous of like how cool his story is because I, I've i tried to do that in another game that I'm running, and I don't feel it's landing as well, but... But like he's for this game, he's done a fantastic job of I think drawing us all in to make sure that we're getting what we want out of the game, um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm happy to hear that you're enjoying it because I realize it's it's very different than like you said, like <laughs> kind of passively playing a game with cards or with tokens on the board. You can get up and leave. Where it's like if you're in the middle of playing, every moment could be crucial. I mean, yeah. In hindsight, when you think about it on the meta level, like sure, there are moments like when I was doing the wolf thing this past session. You guys could have walked away, but like to see all of that and hear all about it, like cinematically, it adds like another layer of really cool flavor to the game too. You guys understand more about my character or that thing when Nick did when we started where he went out and he had this big oath to his deity. Like that was so, 
we weren't even there for that. Like our characters weren't there for that. But hearing that was really cool to know, like how deep Nick has gotten to his character. And I think Xander's like trying to feed you a lot of lore to be like solve this ancient mystery because it's that yeah, seems yeah. to be the thing that's right up your character's alley. A little backstory for each of us, kind mm-hmm. of on this story arc. Yeah, I can't imagine how like. <clears throat> I have to be flexible and creative, but just focus on my own character and Mm -hmm. to be the one to like come up with the entire universe and think of all these different possibilities. Um, I mean, that sounds just really hard. If you, if you can do that, I feel like you could also, you know, write a book. (laughs) Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. So, I I mean, I'm glad to hear that you're liking it though. I really, it's kind of, it can be complex. I think like the, the first session, you know, we had a little bit of a hiccup just just getting things figured out. But um, the best part about D&D is like, yes, there are rules as written, but that's all based up based on interpretation. Right. So, you know, your character is casting spells. And yes, in the book, they're like an arcane flow of magic, blah, 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 flows out of your finger. And instead it's like, no, how about it's a laser beam that shoots out of my forehead? It changes nothing about the game. It just, right. it's all flavor for your character um, in order to make it all work, which is, you know, going to, oh my gosh, I've never seen magic like that before. And that adds another layer to the role playing for our characters together. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I just love D&D. I just love playing D&D. It's the like most, the most fun you can have at a table with your friends as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Uh, I've also been playing a lot of video games and I feel like this has been, you know, I don't know. A couple of years of getting back into video games so overall oh, yeah. just lots of gaming it's been have you, have you been playing much of that super mario maker because i know you got it um, oh yeah have, have you like been playing through the campaign on that yeah i like <laughs> i got it and i played it non-stop for two days i um i was playing the the campaign pretty heavily and then i i dabbled into the uh what do you call it the user created levels yeah and yeah. um and of course, I don't know. I, <laughs> as a UX designer, I like to audit all types of experiences. And right now I'm designing an <laughs> onboarding experience. So I was like, oh, let's see how they uh, give a tutorial for creating a level. And I was just like going through it for my own just curiosity. And then I got drawn, in, drawn into it. It was so well written and it's it's pretty funny tutorial. And oh, yeah, it's then I started, I started making <laughs> my own levels. <laughs> yeah. You make the most like peaceful levels I've played in Super Mario Maker. I will say. Well, it's I'm playing all these other people's levels and I'm like crying, trying to like beat them, and yeah, everyone is trying to like one up each other for like the hardest ever. And so I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna make something that makes you feel good. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember just, I was the, the the little tweaks that I think you could. The only tweak I would say is I think a lot of your levels are like get all these coins. All you got to do is add that as a requirement and be like collect fifty coins and then before you can uh, get to yeah. the end and then that's like the seal to make it quote unquote competitive. Um, yeah, but otherwise, the, I I've I've really enjoyed the levels that I've played of yours because they're just mm-hmm. like they're a nice much needed break from the chaos that is Super <laughs> Mario Maker. <laughs> Oh my god, I know. I um <clears throat> I watched this, I think it was a YouTube clip or maybe it was part of the tutorial. I I don't know, but um one of the the original Mario designers was uh yeah, it was at E3. He was sitting down and playing some levels and talking about people's created levels and he says, you know, here for example, you've got too many bad guys. 
which can increase the difficulty. But if you do the whole level as bad guys, then it can become too taxing. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't have any coins, then you kind of remove the player motivation. And he's like, you you want to find a balance of each of these things. And one of the things he said was, uh, you also want to create like a stage of the in this you know level where the player can almost like relax and just feel good. And so I took one of those attributes. I think everyone is taking sort of the challenge aspect and amplifying that. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like taking the just relax and feel good aspect and amplifying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, there there's this guy that I I've been watching on YouTube who's just been playing through um Twitter submitted at levels. So if you have a level, you can just send it to him on Twitter with a hashtag and he'll play it. Mm-hmm. But he's also been doing a thing where you can go into endless mode, which I think is one of the more interesting concepts to get you to play a bunch of levels that you never would have been able to find otherwise is mm-hmm. to play in endless mode and from easy to intermediate to hard to super expert or something. Um and he's been playing through Super Expert, and some of the levels are just brutal. And I think they rank those based on, like, the clear rate, like the number of plays versus the number of successes. Oh, and right. to see some of those levels, and then I, you see the really good design in levels that are challenging but also really fun. And I, I think that's probably the hardest thing to balance is to make a very challenging level that also rewards you in such a way that when you finish, you go wow that was a really good level and this guy's commentary is really good maybe i'll send you one of his videos because he's a very good one he's very good at mario and two he he does that as he's playing he's like man this is a really hard level there's no fun in the challenge you know and Mm. i think that that's like the core of making super mario levels in general like i mean i made the one (laughs) absolutely stupid insane bullet bill level (laughs) <laughs> um, just because I wanted to see how wild I could make it. And cause of course you have to beat it before you submit it. And I think that that's like yeah. one of the more interesting parts of it as well. And it makes sense, yada, yada, yada. But, um, I, I think the, the next challenge for myself is to design a level that is both challenging and fun, but the challenge is still there. Like you're not just going to float through the level. You actually have to work for it, but it's very like rewarding at the end when you do get yeah. to that end. And I mean, again, let me just challenge myself to do the hardest thing possible in Mario making, but or Mario <laughs> Maker levels. But still, I, I, I do, there are levels that I've played that I was, I was very challenged by. But I was like, man, that's really good. I like it. I comment on it because it, it deserves the recognition, and I hope that more people play it. Um, and I wish there was a better sharing mechanism. Rob, can we talk oh about my God. how bad the sharing mechanism is in Super Mario Maker, please? Well, <laughs> e- even just rewind to when I first got the Switch and I set up my profile. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I was immediately frustrated at the friend friend system. They they give you this like serial number, which mm-hmm. I guess it you know, it can protect the like nine year old kids out there. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how. I mean, the, I don't, the I, nine-year-old kids were like, <laughs> you, you know, they're right. Like, this was fucking dumb in the comments, you know. And then you can click yeah. on their profile, but I, I think it's there so that you can't like provide any personal information. I mean, your username yeah. can kind of provide that, but no one could just guess John Smith Jr. and then get to their profile. Right. Um, I, I, guess. So anyways, I was just anyways. so annoyed by that, and um, I, you know, I, I posted my friend serial number or whatever on on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot in case people wanted to add me. I don't know if people just don't have place or uh, Nintendos, but no one really added me. <laughs> hey, we're friends. I had oh, yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. I think you're the only. Well, let's see here. Uh, Jeff, I think Jeff also added me, or okay. I added Jeff. Okay. I don't remember. Um, 
but you can link it with your Facebook or your Twitter account, which I think mm-hmm. is the easiest way. So if you just sign in with Twitter, then you can see all your Twitter followers who have done that. But that only works if that person is also connected their switch to Twitter. Right. So like I wanted to connect with Josh and I also told him just connect your Twitter and then we won't have to type this thing in. And I don't think he ever <laughs> did. So Josh and I are not friends on N- Nintendo. I see. <laughs> But the same thing happened all over again with Mario Maker, where it's just like you create this level and you get this random... I mean, they might as well give you a QR code. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) And then have some sort of like AirPlay type of, uh, I don't know, syncing with your phone to the Switch. That'd be so cool. They need something to fix that. Or it it does... um, The controller does NFC for the little Amiibo. So maybe Mm -hmm. if you could just tap your phone and like NFC it into the Switch controller. I don't know. Yeah, I've I've actually one time I I put my phone too close to the switch and it asked me to like pay with my card reader because it triggered mm. the NFC, which I think was really funny. Oh wow! But yeah, yeah. Was, um... I, I don't think there's a good way to like share your levels. I don't know how you did it. You posted a screenshot of the like completion of the level thing on Twitter, and I mean yeah. I had to manually type the number, which is a bummer. I wish that you could have posted that image with the number. So that I could have copied and paste. I don't know. There's no easy. There's oh. just no easy way. No well, easy way to get those numbers. But you can't copy and paste because right, right, right. it's on Switch. So exactly, exactly. Um, I think I I took a screenshot when I finished it and I shared the screenshot. Um, okay. Because it, okay. it might have also had the the level title in it. I assume you can search by the name of the course. I, I don't, don't know. think you can. I think you have to search by ID, or you have to like go to someone's profile. It's not. It's not a very good searching mechanism like there's not a good system out there for that other than searching by tags or just looking at popular ones i don't know there's no good way to be like how do i find john smith's you know account instead i have to be friends with him and then i have to go to my friends list and then i have to go find the uploaded things that he posted um but like i follow you and i follow a buddy of mine from work and so when i'm if i want to i can see I get a feed of all of the uploaded levels that you make. Like I get, there's a little notification section that you can go to, and you can see all of the levels that your people that you're following have uploaded, which I think is pretty cool. Um, right, but it doesn't even notify you because I, I mean, right. I added, I added you, and uh, you mentioned that you created a level, and I went into the game, I didn't see anything, and and then I clicked on, um, actually, I think I even clicked on your name, and I didn't see anything. Maybe it was just a, a delay in Could be. getting it uploaded or something. But, uh, yeah, I feel like even having a, f- a friend on there as a creator it still is not good enough. So hopefully they'll update that in some sort of downloadable update because yeah. there's a difference between, like, privacy and, like, unusable. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I know that they're rolling out updates because I think when I first got it, I think the first weekend I got the game, they they only allowed you to play five lives per level. Like, even if you were just playing some rando person's level, you only had five lives. Because that's like a mechanism within the campaign. We only get five lives, then you get booted out, and you have to start the whole thing again. Uh-huh. And it didn't make any sense, because it's like... My, the, whole me- me- the whole mechanism for tracking... Um, to determine if you're getting the world record should be based on playtime. And I know that I think in the last week they've rolled out an update that disables that that whole live tracker unless you're playing like the endless campaign where you've got like 30 lives on Super Expert and 5 lives on, you know, Easy and stuff like that. 
Um, Are you talking about the the story campaign or the, or just playing user levels? So if you're just playing user levels, you used to have a live like a, the number of a limited number of lives that you could use, and then they would boot you out of the level and you have to start it again, which to me makes no sense. I just want to play mm. it endlessly until I beat it. So it looks like in the last week they rolled out an update that disables the live counter. So instead, you can yeah. play a level endlessly until you beat it, and then it just tracks your total time that you play it. Like I've I follow some people on YouTube that play. Um, Super Mario Maker and I've seen times like 25 minutes for really really challenging levels <laughs> you know and they're like I'm never going to get the world record but I beat this really really hard level I, I feel like I've always had unlimited lives when I was playing the user levels okay maybe I'm making that up in my head I feel like it was a it was an issue and it was really annoying to me and it just went away so maybe mm-hmm. I I don't know either way well I do like on the other hand when you're doing um <clears throat> the, the the challenge mode or whatever mm-hmm. You pick like easy, medium, hard. I don't know if that's what you're talking about, where you've got the like endless fi- mode. Yeah, 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 the endless mode where you've got like five lives or whatever. That one, I like the the constraint of having a fixed number of lives because, um, it it raises the stakes. Where oh, I you agree. Know, I totally agree. Some sometimes I just want to like play one level, you know, a hundred times until I can get it. Other times I want to see like, okay, let's. Make, find some easier ones but see how many can i clear right there's and, a <clears throat> have you seen the like competitive play that you can play on there where you play with four other people um yeah i saw that was a feature but i didn't i didn't try it out i i haven't tried it out either but apparently you get ranked based on your clear rate and how well you do and how many times you die in a level it's it's a whole thing it's a race to the finish for every single level and Ooh. it's it is in same. I mean, Nintendo's online play has been notoriously bad since forever, and it's only kind of shown a little bit further with this Super Mario Maker thing. But I, from what I've seen people play online, because I haven't done it yet, um, it, it works better than, say, Smash Brothers Online. <laughs> so yeah. that that's at least <laughs> a, a good thing. But I, I haven't played it yet. But the game, I mean, I don't know. This is the thing. I think that I have already gotten my $60 worth buying this game. Oh yeah, um, with the amount of stuff that you're able to do, um, even just creating levels. If you just spent your whole time creating and publishing levels, you know, you could easily get that sixty dollars worth. I just wish they had a desktop app for creating the levels. <laughs> oh, I know. A, a coworker of mine bought a ten pack of little like, um, like little tiny uh, styluses. Like I've got it in front of me right here. It's just this little yeah. aluminum thing that's got a little nub on the end, and that was like revolutionary in making a level because instead I can kind of tap and I can see a little bit more of the screen and my fat dumb finger doesn't touch the screen the entire time I'm, I'm trying to set it up. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty well like just having a little stylus like this makes all the difference. I think definitely doing it on the TV is the worst idea, Oh yeah, <laughs> but do, oh, yeah. doing it on the handheld is, is pretty nice for sure. I just want like a bigger screen and a mouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to zoom out, see the whole level at once. Oh, on, I know. On my and like a giant like forty-eight inch monitor. <laughs> There's got to be some like some hacker ability that allows you to do that, where you have like a a thing that plugs into the USB C port and allows you to like attach a larger touch screen interface or something like that, or simulate touches with your mouse click yeah. or something. I'm sure that someone's working on that or has that in in the mix because that would be crazy. Imagine plugging that into your massive monitor at home and just designing pixel by pixel because i mean it's all like relatively similar size squares you can't like get down to the the minute pixel but 
still right. being able to see more of the screen or to get like a better layout of how your level looks would be super and i know you can zoom out and see that stuff but you can't interact once you've zoomed out far enough which is the yeah, most no, that's, frustrating part for me that's so frustrating boy i hope people like nintendo <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about breath of the wild because i'm playing through it again and i know you haven't oh, yeah. finished your run through i know i'm uh i've i've gotten all of the the divine beasts but um i'm not rushing into hyrule castle i'm kind of just doing everything but because yeah. i, I want to like it's like that's the dessert i just want to like wait and save that for the well, end the one thing i will say because you do get some quests at the very beginning of the game that mm-hmm. basically imply when you go into the castle, nothing says you have to beat it once you go in. You can leave. So, okay. like, you have to. I think somebody was like, "Hey, get me my, if you go to the if you ever go to the castle, find my grandpa's old cookbook or something." Um, oh yeah, you can find that and then bring it back out and then go back into the castle. Um, the downside of that is enemies respawn. You know, every blood moon or whatever. Yeah. But like still, if you go in, you can come out like and totally have like the master shield and all the other stuff you get in there. Maybe I'll spoilers. Check that there's out. a master shield. <laughs> <laughs> I got the master sword, okay. and um, but I haven't passed the trials or whatever with the Deku tree yet. Oh, okay, okay. Almost, I've gotten so far, and then that's, I'm just kind of like Ugh. really challenging. I did not like that part because of how challenging it was. Yeah, it's so hard. I know. I'm I'm in the middle of replaying it because we got the DLC for it, and I kind of want to experience the fleshiest Zelda playthrough that I can. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, we've got all the DLC. Let me just do every single thing that's possible. Um, I want to try to get a hundred shrines. I want to try to, you know, get my basically maximize my hearts and my stamina to the the best of my ability. I mean, I know there's like 120 shrines or something, but if I can get to a hundred, then I'll feel not only super prepared for Ganon, but also be able to do those cool things like soaring across a large chunk of Hyrule. Like that's the coolest thing to me is yes. seeing these, these videos of people just flying forever across the, sit, uh, the the landscape. It's so beautiful. I tried doing that trick with the mining carts. Uh, I, I was not very good at it. I could probably figure it out if I kept doing it, but I just gave up. <laughs> Where right, you, right, right, right. So for people who haven't seen the there's this YouTube video, you could probably look it up of um, like Zelda flying in the cart. And um, Link uses the magnesis to grab one of the carts and puts it on top of another one. And since they're both metallic, he can stand on the top one and use the the magnets on the bottom one. And mm-hmm. somehow there's that little glitch in the game allows him to fly. Right. What what annoys me is I've tried that with other things because there's this one shrine <clears throat> where like you have to climb up this wall and they only give you like two cubes. Mm-hmm. And they're the metal cubes. And I was like, oh, I'll just stand on the second one and use the magnet on the bottom one. And it yeah. doesn't work at all. <laughs> so, I think it's because of like the yeah. way that those things are like really off kilter. Like they're very unbalanced items. So you can bring up the front and the back also. I don't know. It just, it, the way, I think it's just the layout of or the way that those things Maybe. are shaped that allow you to do it. Yeah. but That's pretty cool. Yeah. <sighs> that game's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I totally forgot what I was going to say, <laughs> but um, yeah, I've I've been I've been savoring Zelda. It's kind of like oh, and I remember it's you know it's up there with my like top childhood games. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I played it every day through like seventh grade maybe. I I think just came home after school and played it for a little bit, and it lasts me like a year, 
and then when it was finally done, I was so sad because it's just there's no no more Zelda. And right, right. Um, I think it was a long time before they came out with something after Ocarina of Time. But uh, recently on YouTube, I saw someone did a speed run of Ocarina of Time in like twelve minutes, and I'm like, you oh, just condensed out. my childhood into twelve <laughs> minutes. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> Another oh, game, yeah. though, apart from like the Nintendo games, is um, this strategy game called Age of Empires, and I loved that on PC. Um, mm-hmm. That and uh, Command and Conquer were were two strategy games where yeah, it's yeah. like gather resource, get your ore, get your trees, and get your sheep or whatever, and you you gather your resources and you can build up this massive base you can build a barracks with your army and maybe you learn technology to build a tank or something like that mm-hmm. and then you kind of like go out and explore this like ghosted out map until you surprise stumble into another army and do battle right. and i just I, I loved that game and uh either of those games and i can't find anything like that anymore i don't know oh, if, it's, I, I, they if it's just that like a, Age of Empires a theme game, though they they uh, like that real time strategy. I'm pretty sure they remade the old Age of Empires game to make them modern compatible, and I think you can get them on Steam for Mac and PC. They have it for PC, and it's the Age oh, of Empires okay. Two HD, which uh, two was the best one for sure. Okay, um, I I dual booted my iMac <laughs> into Windows Ten just to play that game. For the longest time, I couldn't get it to install, but anyway, I finally got it to work and. It's cool, like, to have the throwback. But what I mean is, you know, like, in Zelda, like, you know, you could get a ROM of Ocarina of Time, and there is some nostalgia to replaying it. Mm-hmm. But I want I want more. I want, like, a, a newer one. <clears throat> and gotcha. so I feel like there's maybe it's that's just not where the trend is right now, but um, I wish that there were some cool, like, army-building, real-time strategy games that were current. So, I don't know. You play a lot of okay. Steam, so you can keep an eye out for me if you see anything along those lines. I mean, I know there's <laughs> a lot of real-time strategy games out there, but, um, yeah, I'll have to... I, I don't it's know like any a, It's a special head. flavor of real-time yeah. strategy. Yeah. Because um, there's, like, there's a lot of, like, character-based real-time strategy or, where you... I'm trying to think of some of the games, like... Uh, I mean, there's a couple of really popular ones that are like top down and you're like moving your character and you're fighting these armies and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, none that I have seen where you're like building up a base and sending out the troops and stuff like that. Okay. I I, I, I'm sure that those exist out there. I just, the thing is real time strategy games. I'm so bad at them that like uh-huh. I, I'm never oh, good I'm terrible at managing at resources and stuff. I just can never, I never got into them. <laughs> so I'm not very aware of a lot of them like I'm, I'm definitely more of a platformer person like this is why super mario maker is the perfect game for me and i will scream mm-hmm. and yell at it and then go that was a really fun level and kelly is <laughs> can definitely attest that i will sit there and go i can't fucking believe i'm not jumping on time this is stupid and then i'll finish i'll go i had a lot of fun <laughs> that was good <laughs> <laughs> i i've encountered several levels that people have made and i give them a thumbs up and i walk away and i'm still not able to complete it Oh yeah, but I'm, I've got but, a I'm but I'm like, oh, totally, thumbs up. Like, it was a yeah. great level. I just couldn't beat it. <laughs> the way that I do, I've been using my like the like list as basically a way to curate ga- levels that I've either beaten and enjoyed, or levels that I haven't beaten but I want to come back and play them. 
Uh, uh-huh. So I've got I've probably got a dozen levels in my my like list that are like ga- levels that I haven't beaten, but I've gotten really close. And I'm like, if I just walk away from this and come back in a couple of days, I'm sure that I can beat it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. The, the one game that I will say that I've gotten that's like an old game that was remade that's very good, and I never played it when I was younger, but everybody in the world says it's good, is Katamari Damase Reroll. Yeah. They released Katamari on Switch and on PC, and so I bought it for PC because it was like half off. And oh, really? Oh, my goodness. You, get a, you just get a nice controller, and it's fantastic. But you got the Switch. You could buy it on the Switch, and it is beautiful. It is so much fun, and I'm almost, I have to like stop myself from playing it because <laughs> I know that I'm going to beat it all, and I'm going to be really bummed about that. <laughs> yeah, no. So I've been trying to savor that game quite a bit. Yeah. I thought it was a, it was a PlayStation game. It was. I remember it Nick was. got it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you Nick know, if you want to get game. it, it's available on the store. Oh, yeah, it's I'll on, check it out. I think right now it's it's thirty bucks on Steam. I think it's the twenty five or thirty on on Nintendo. But they do Nintendo does do sales quite frequently on games that aren't Nintendo games. So yeah. <laughs> keep an eye out on that. Yeah, I'll, I I follow those once in a while. Mm-hmm. I uh, I. I'm confused at what our audience for this podcast is. <laughs> oh yeah, the sense of if it's uh, four people or a hundred, um, it's hard to tell by the downloads. But um, to whoever is listening, I think you should also recommend some games. Well, if you like games, I don't know. I mean, who doesn't like games? It doesn't have to be a Nintendo game. It could be true. We kind of covered the gamut with D and D or Nintendo or computer games or uh, or even a board game. It's been uh, quite a while since I played a board game. Yeah, same here. I, I feel like I've I've played so much D and D that it's all I want to play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is my problem. But it's like no, not everyone has like four hours to sit down and roll up characters and all that stuff. I get it, but uh, it's yeah, a lot easier I, for me to pick up a console. Yeah, same here. Same here. Yeah. But, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. What else is new? <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm getting married in like two months three months oh, so how, how does that feel thing. uh well now that we've sent out rsvps and we're starting to get rsvps back from people and people are filling out rsvps online the six or seven people that have so far it's mm-hmm. it's way more real than it was six months ago <laughs> when it was just oh, an idea. <laughs> yeah uh, i remember uh i did I, I did like two waves of invites because uh a, a lot of people like on the other side of the country couldn't come out so um, cause one of the things that happens when you're ordering these cards is you get like way more than you need. Cause it's like, do you want 100 or 200? And it's like, well, right. I really, I need like 110. So yeah. 200 then. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. We, That's well, good. we went through this website called minted. Um, and I'm pretty impressed with it. It's a bit more expensive than you probably want them want it to be. But, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. The quality was what we wanted and it was the design that we wanted and we didn't want to pay someone to design. So there's a whole thing. And so we went through them and you can order things in batches of like 50, 75, 90, 100, 110 and 125. Like the, the batch numbers are really wild. Um, but it's it's nice. Yeah. it It was nice. So we, we got, I think 150 or something like that. And we sent out, you know, a chunk of them to people. And I think we're going to, I don't know, we'll probably do a second wave of a handful of folks, but, um, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, it was pretty nice, all things considered, but it was, it was a little expensive, a little pricey. Yeah. It's, it's weird how I felt 
so many times on buying stuff for the wedding, I felt like a cheap ass. And then at the same time, like, well, no, hold on. I'm spending thousands of dollars. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I w- uh, like the w- invites, for example, I think I was on paper. I don't know, paper something. And, um, and you know, trying to get the price down to like $2 a card. Mm-hmm. And that just sounds so cheap. But then there's just this multiplier effect with a wedding because you're inviting 100 plus people sometimes. Right. And so a $2 card, you know, could mean 200 bucks right there. And yeah. then you got to prioritize. Do I want to spend this on the cards? Do I want to spend it on flowers? The mm-hmm. fucking tablecloth, you know, table there's cloth. like, there's like, we have standard white, we have ivory, and then for an additional $5 per table, you can have the emerald or whatever. Oh and, my Lord. You know, it's like in every little thing, multiplier effect, multiplier effect. <laughs> so, uh, so oh, yeah, yeah. W- looking at the, each line item, I felt like, you know, such a cheap person trying to go from like $2 to, ooh, this one's a dollar ninety, but it's worth it in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I've approached a lot of the wedding stuff with, I don't care, just invite these people, just get them there, to, so we could put food in their face, and then they can give us hugs and say congratulations. Um, that was like yeah. my original thought, you know, eight months ago, and now I'm like, okay, well, I guess we should get the nicer cards. I like this. I mean, this paper stock is good. Um, <laughs> we're gonna go with design one versus design two. I know the second one's a little more expensive, so we can go with that one. That's fine. Um, I mean, Kelly did a lot of the, the very yeah. like pay for the auto addressing oh yeah (laughs) auto addressing did we want to get custom stamps it was a is a whole thing and i mean like i like the way that everything turned out it's it's turned out fine like all our all our saves the date stuff all of our invites are fine and it looks very nice it looks nice and i'm i'm very happy with what we did even though at the time i was like well this is a you know two hundred dollars more you sure we really want that and then i'm i'm very pleased with what we what we got so um sometimes it is worth a little bit you know to spend money which i don't know Everything else, I've been kind of like, sure, I don't care. Oh, it's that's three grand. Okay, fine, that's fine. That's a lot of money yeah. for food, but we're paying <laughs> for a lot of people to eat. You know, um, I don't know. I at this point, I've given up on penny pinching. It's like this is this is how much things are going to cost, and uh, if anyone gives me shit about it, they can fuck off, and I yeah. will tell them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then we're you know also trying to save money to go to Japan, and oh, I mean. Man putting money away to go to japan because we already booked the tickets and the airbnbs and all that stuff and now it's just a matter of getting on a plane and going there and just spending too much money and then looking at our credit card bill when we come back after we've spent oh, all man. the saved cash i want to go, <laughs> <laughs> I I, go I'm, very, I'm really excited i mean it's <laughs> it's something that like kelly and i have been talking about doing for like three years and now we're, we're like using our wedding as a reason to go and it's going to be super cool like two weeks in japan we're going to like t- Tokyo and then Kyoto and we're going to do like day trips to like Nara and other places. Mm-hmm. And then we're doing like a night in an onsen and then we're going to be in Tokyo for like five days. Oh, I'm really man. pumped about it. I, I wish I had done the onsen. That sounds so nice. Yeah. And just yeah. luxurious. And yeah, I mean, we're, yeah. we're only doing the like one night there, but I I'm, mean, that's all you need. Exactly. Exactly. Because we were going to do two nights, but we we're like, well, what are we going to da- do during the day? Because this onsen that we're going to is in the middle of nowhere, which is good. Like, you want an onsen that's like out in the forest. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we talked about, like, oh, we're going to probably want a day off. And it's like, sure, but I'd rather have a day off in Tokyo where we can, like, chill in our Airbnb, maybe go get some, like, fancy weird food and then come back to the Airbnb versus being out in this onsen where we're kind of, like, in the middle of nowhere 
not going to want to like sit on our phones. Like who knows if there's even going to be Wi-Fi, like that kind of stuff. Right. Um, instead, we'll have like the luxuries of being in a city like we do in New York. Um, but it's it's a Japanese city. So there's, you know, all the fun and, and crazy stuff that comes along with that. It's so we'll see. S- seven times the size of New York. Yeah. Tokyo. I, that scares me. That scares it's me. so cool. Because I feel like New York is so big, and yet I haven't explored like a 20th of it, you know? I know, yeah. And I got that vibe with, with Tokyo, too. It's just I didn't scratch the surface. Yeah. And there's plenty to go back and see. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. The cool thing with the time zone, I felt, was um, being 12 hours apart is you're not really attached to talking to people all the, you know like you're not really missing out uh you don't want to be on your phone really right because oh, yeah, every, everyone every, be asleep. everyone's asleep exactly i think i wrote like a blog post on my first day there to just kind of like update people back home and then i got mm-hmm. too lazy to do the rest <laughs> i mean i'm just gonna take pictures and put them in my family's like shared iCloud and yeah. say, Hey, look, this is what we did today. And that's it. I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just be in the moment and uh, yeah, soak it in. That's amazing. Yeah. We'll see. I, I'm like, I'm very anxious about it. I'm mostly anxious about like the long plane ride. Cause I, I barely can stand the flight to Seattle from New York and that's five hours. Um, Do you sleep? I, don't know. I, I well, I, that's the thing. I actually sleep really well on the plane. Kelly doesn't. So I'm kind of like, worried for her and i don't want to be like sleeping the entire time while she's awake but i don't know like when we went to london i think i slept for like three of the nine hours and i did i felt like i did okay i think it was Hmm. a nine hour flight maybe it wasn't that long either way like when we flew it it, i felt like i got through that like really really well all things considered but i don't know japan is 14 hours man that's like a a totally different thing i think mine was like 16 but um we we went to China. We stopped in China and then connected oh, okay. to Japan. I don't know if I told you there's this one, like, I get all excited for a plane. Like, I get, ex- like, like when you're going to the beach and you're like, ooh, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring all these books and I'm going to read them on the beach. And then you pack <laughs> yeah. your bag full of, like, shit to entertain yourself with. And then you yeah, get to the yeah. beach and you don't do any of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Same That's thing on exactly. the plane. I was like, I was like, I got my Kindle charged full. I've got yep. my iPad loaded up with a bunch of movies I pre-saved, and mm-hmm. I've got my phone and all this stuff is like good to, uh, extra batteries. And then I sit down and and I'm like just listening to like one podcast, and then I fall asleep. Right, right, right. <laughs> but um, the, the usually that's you know that's good, and I wake up when when we land. But this flight was so long that I woke up about halfway through, mm-hmm. so I killed half the flight. But I was a little terrified when I woke up because I woke up and everyone around me had their arms up in the air. And it's like, holy shit, what's going on? Are we like going down or what? something? <laughs> and, and and then everyone just kind of like gradually moved over here. And then they kind of gradually swayed their arms to the other side. And then I looked what? up on the screen and there's like this like old Chinese lady sitting in it doing chair yoga. <gasps> and the whole oh. flight was doing chair yoga. Everyone's doing these like gestures with their arms to like get their blood flowing and stuff. It was a Chinese flight, and I was just like, "What is going oh, on?" Oh, that <laughs> actually is that's actually kind of nice. I guess it would be terrifying to wake up to that and not know what's going on. <laughs> I was like, "I didn't. This has never been a thing before." <laughs> oh man, that's interesting. I mean, I guess I, that's the thing. We're so we're flying Japan Air mm-hmm. because I figured if we're gonna fly. We should do the coolest thing possible. Like, we spend a bit more money on the plane tickets. 
um, after a lot of pushing and shoving from my, like I was talking about penny pinching before when we were booking our, our flights for Japan, I was like, spare no expense. This is fucking Jurassic park. Like I want to fly in the best way possible. Now we Uh didn't do the like 10 grand a ticket first class where you get a bed flight, but we did like premium economy, which is a bit more expensive Uh and I'm totally happy about it because it's two people in the space of three people um, sitting side by side. You get like a little leg rest. You get a little arm, like bigger armrest. You get a bigger TV. You get all this like amenities. Like you can get a bunch of alcohol for free, nice. all this different stuff, like upgraded food options. Um, and I'm like, if we're going to fly, like if we're going to go to Japan and we're never going to go to Japan again, who knows? We yeah. should at least try to do it. And this is like our honeymoon and we're totally paying for it out of pocket. Who cares? Like, yep. let's do the real deal. If we're going to go to Japan again, we'll budget go to Japan and we'll spend $700 and fly through China and do the whole thing. But, <laughs> yeah, that was my trip. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, I, like, again, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I was like, this is our wedding. We should, we got to spend some yeah. money on ourselves outside of saying, yes, we're going to Japan. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping that like because of this little extra money that we've paid for it, like it's going to be a less traumatic flight like in terms of like sleeping and in, in oh yeah room and stuff like that but uh that yeah it's really nice know. i'm i'm excited for for that part because i've i've never flown like that fancy on a plane before and i figure why better time to do it than you know going out for your wedding yeah i agree i mean we did the same thing uh, not that but we did we had the same philosophy for the honeymoon where we mm-hmm. um we we got a crazy expensive hotel for the first night yeah and so like you know high-end luxury hotel i think it was like eight or nine hundred a night that like i would never Mm -hmm. spend that much on a hotel but it's like well it's our honeymoon you know the very first night and everything and oh my god it was worth every penny and like when when we like close our eyes to remember it that is what we remember and um you know, it also, it wasn't just a bed. It also included other stuff. Like they had an infinity pool on the top. This was in the Shard in London, which is like their tallest building. Oh, so snap. Imagine an infinity pool on the top of the tallest building in a city. So you just like chill in there. Like we had breakfast and they were just kind of floating around there at 11 in the morning looking at all of London below us. Oh, yeah. And they have a little Nespresso machine that you can swim up to on the side and have a little <laughs> espresso. <laughs> high society living is what you're saying to me yeah and so it's like you know it's just let's live it up it's just a day and then the rest of the rest of the honeymoon you know we'll we'll save and and see more stuff um another you you went to like barcelona and you guys had a beautiful little airbnb if i remember i feel like you sent me pictures and i was blown away it was a, a penthouse airbnb they had like a huge porch and like a couch out there and stuff um but that was that was cheap. I'm trying to remember what it was. It was like a hundred a night, maybe, um, no around there. Yeah, and the uh, the one other thing that we kind of splurged on, well, it wasn't that bad. But the you know that train, the Eurostar between London and Paris. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we went like the next level up on those tickets to like the first class or something. Or I don't know if it was first class, but the economy plus, which had free yeah. alcohol, and I got a kick out of that because I totally forgot what what we got out of it. We just like <laughs> ran to the train and we got on, yeah. and I'm sitting there I'm like, "Oof, we made it!" And we're just kind of like relaxing. And then like ten minutes into it, this you know French guy comes by in like a wine cart, 
It's just a cart with full no of way. like, what type of wine would you like, sir? <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, yes. And Mary doesn't really drink, but I I made her pick one out so I could drink hers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the That's free awesome. champagne everywhere you go. I don't know, you know, if it's culturally any different in Japan, but at least throughout Europe, like any restaurant, we're like, oh yes, we're here on our honeymoon. And inevitably, they will bring out free champagne or they will oh, add on cool. a free dessert. So don't be shy. Make sure that you, you drop, you know, look up whatever honeymoon is in Japanese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's the thing I'm like, I'm kind of kicking myself over. And I realize we're recording for really long, but I don't know how long your episodes usually are. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm kicking myself because I didn't actually try to learn Japanese. Like we knew that we were going to Japan a year and some change ago right yeah. and like as soon as we we got engaged i was like okay for our honeymoon we could go to england again we go to paris again we could do something else and we're like well, no we're gonna go to japan and so i should have sat down and been like mike you got to learn elementary school japanese that's what you got to do for the next year and i i never did it like i bought this little game that's supposed to teach you japanese and all this stuff and Ooh, i, I just tell me about the game did it I, so the game, <laughs> I got suckered into this thing at a convention. Uh, I think it was Emerald City Comic Con. I don't remember where it was. I walked by this booth, and this guy's given this, like, he's given this <laughs> presentation, like, something you'd see at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning infomercial style. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how, like, this is the best game. This is the best way to learn Japanese because the game itself teaches you the compounding of how language works in Japanese, and you get more points by creating more complex sentences um, and understanding verb conjugation. So you get, like, a word, and hmm. then you get a thing to add on to that, to that symbol, and then you flip it over, and it becomes this thing. And, like, again, I'm not doing it a good service uh, to describe it, but I, I'll send you a link to this thing because it's a really interesting game. Kelly and I tried to play it, and we both got a little frustrated with the how like words work in Japanese. <laughs> so um, I, I think it takes quite a bit of playing to actually get a full rhythm for it. Um, and it's meant to play, be played between like two to four players. And the goal is to teach you Japanese words and, and like sentence structure in cool. Japanese. Um, and I, so yeah, I bought I like the full out. set for like, I think it was like 75 bucks for like the whole game with every single card that they've ever released to teach you like different phrase it like it's there's the base game that teaches like very basic japanese and then each of the expansions are like food and like you know more specific food references more specific mm-hmm. anime words more specific um you know cultural words more specific this and you're supposed to be able to put them all in one big deck and then play with it or you just you know shuffle out one deck for another yeah and then you can like learn the basic japanese and then add on like words for anime because their whole thing was there was this girl standing at the booth who was just a random like comic-con goer and she was like oh yeah i actually bought this last year so that i could learn how to understand anime and she's like it totally works you just have to do it all the time (laughs) (laughs) you're like i can just turn off the subtitles now (laughs) yeah and and that i mean that like it was a it was funny but she was like the whole goal was for her to just do that turn off the subtitles and watch japanese anime um and it's it's meant to be played you can play it with two players you can also play it with one player which is why i was like oh i'll buy this and then at night i'll spend like 20 minutes a night and i'll do this thing like with duolingo and you know i tried learning spanish a year and a half ago and i i got oh yeah maybe two years ago and i got uh, okay at it but like nothing beyond what a three-year-old could speak um even then it's it's tough honestly i'm like but it's a language that's similar enough to english that i could get it whereas japanese is a whole different thing i'm blown away by anyone who actually learns a language as a hobby because i mean i have a spanish degree 
and if I add it all up, it took me more or less nine years to get fluent. And um, I don't know. There's you know a lot of analogies like uh, athletics or music or whatever, where um, when you are at your peak, you have to use it frequently in order to maintain that level. And as soon as mm-hmm. you take a break here and there, you can really drop off. And so now. I mean, enough of it obviously is cemented to the point where I can I can read it whenever. Um, there's yeah. definitely plenty of words that I need to look up along the way, and um, um, I can you know kind of piece things together in a conversation. But uh, it's it it's not you know rapid fire fluent like I could right. sit down with someone at a bar and, and do it. Uh, hold yeah, on and a I second. mean, I, I don't I don't ever think that I would be. Yeah, like fluent in Japanese or even Spanish. Like my whole goal wasn't necessarily to be fluent in Spanish, but it was to be, be able to have a basic conversation with what, like 30% of the United States, right? Like my, my whole philosophy with it. And it's, it's still something that I, I hold on to. And which is more of a reason for me to get back into it is, you know, a lot of people speak Spanish, like a lot of people and a lot of people Mm -hmm. who speak English also speak Spanish. And if you could easily strike up a conversation just a little bit, with them in Spanish to be like, Hey dude, I'm trying. And mm-hmm. if you can have a Spanglish conversation with them, like that is going in like far enough to say like, Hey, I'm trying to understand you and I'm trying to, you know, work with you and I'm not trying to be like speak English or else. Cause that's, I think the lot, a lot of the mentality that a lot of people have. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, I don't know. I, I think that the, the, the biggest effect, I mean like some people, People will always tell me like, oh, you learned Spanish and it'll, you know, give you greater chances at getting a job, which I mean, maybe it will depending on the type of job. Um, if it's like a social job, um, you know, medicine or customer service or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, for for me, they didn't help at all. <laughs> the the <laughs> most the most noticeable change, honestly, is just kind of like smoothing over the gaps where, um, you know, if I'm at a Mexican restaurant and, you know, you have all the different, you know, recipe, uh, uh, menu items in Spanish. I just read, read them for what they are and it's no big deal. Um, right. or, uh, watching the, the presidential debates, um, they had, uh, <laughs> <laughs> some people a- attempt really like bad Spanish, but, yeah, um, yeah. unlike a couple words here and there, um, I, th- I don't remember who it was. Uh, I guess it was Beto who gave an entire response in Spanish. And I understood everything that he was saying. And so, and then I realized, I bet most Americans are sitting here glossy-eyed like, what, what is he, blah, 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 blah. What is yeah. he saying? And then like, they have to go look it up later. Whereas I just immediately knew what he was saying. Right. And, and moved on to making fun of how bad his Spanish was. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so little things like that, um, or, you know, being in New York, I love hearing other languages. And that was one of the coolest things of living in Europe and then coming back um, and then going to New York was like, oh, New York is kind of like Europe where you do have this mixture of cultures and languages. And so you can be standing in line at a deli or whatever and mm-hmm. hear Spanish and not like I need to eavesdrop, but just like if you're at a, a restaurant and you have people next to you and they're having a conversation in English and inevitably you pick up pieces of that conversation. Sometimes it's interesting. Knowing Spanish is kind of like the same 
yeah. same uh, effect. With Japanese, though, I learned it because I thought it, or I didn't learn it. <laughs> I wanted to learn it because I thought it sounded cool. Right. And I took a class for like a year, and I did um, I did memorize which is a spaced repetition yeah. learning system for like another year. And I got a couple of basics down. So like if you're asking for like the, the toilet, you can say, let me think here. Uh, doko is where, right? Doko de tore desu ka? Is where is the toilet? Toire is toilet, which is nice because right. it sounds kind of like toilet. Right. Uh, right, right, right. Some, of, some of their words are borrowed uh, from English. Um, like Pasocon is a personal computer. Um, right, right. And uh, Namabiru is a beer that's on tap. So you, <laughs> you got bi- biru for beer, but mm-hmm. if, you're at, if you're at a restaurant, usually they have a tap. And, I mean, you can go to a bar where they have a lot of options, but uh, like restaurants, usually you'll sit down, and if you ask for Namabiru, that's like the one thing that they have tap on tap. Mm-hmm. And it was usually... Um, uh, what was it? I usually got um, Asahi. I thought I would yeah, find yeah. like a lot of Sapporo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes they just flat out didn't have, like you go to a sushi restaurant in America and get more Japanese beer options right, than, right. than certain restaurants in Japan. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, so yeah, just like a couple of those phrases. And I actually used the toilet phrase <laughs> in uh, in Uniqlo and I felt pretty impressed that I was able to ask where the bathroom was. Yeah, my, my hope is that I'm going to download the Google Translate app and then use it religiously to, like, type out the English and then either show the person in Japanese or oh, yeah. try to pronounce the Japanese because that is something that, like, I really think that is the closest to a babble fish that we're ever going to get until, like, the next century of technology evolvement. Like, having yeah. this device that can download the basics of a language in order for you to just have a ask a simple question um in order to not feel super outsider and even they have that functionality where they a person can speak into the device and it'll translate it back to your native language which yeah. is the coolest and I, i'm gonna bonkers. be 100 percent tourist guy with a you know a big fat brim hat and i'm gonna you know all this i'm not gonna necessarily <laughs> look like that but i i definitely know i'm gonna stick out like a sore thumb but i that's just what it is and i i just i can i hope that the what people say about you know people in japan being very kind to foreigners you know at least in tokyo um Mm -hmm. being true and i know a lot of people in tokyo speak some english but um i don't want to necessarily assume someone speaks english unless they start to speak to me in english you know i found very few people who spoke english oh good that's i I was i was never never (laughs) quite as uncomfortable in terms of language as i was in japan (laughs) Okay. See, that's how I felt when we were in Paris and no one spoke English to us. um, And Kelly and Russ tried because we went I went there with my fiance, Kelly, and I went there with my buddy, Russ. And Kelly and Russ tried to speak some French. And it's it's unfortunate. But like as soon as you speak French to someone in France, they go, oh, okay, cool. And then they just spit it back at you like you understand the language completely, which um, we didn't. None of us did. Assholes. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think it's necessarily that. But it's like if you're in if you try to speak someone's language, like then maybe they can. it's, It's kind of a safe assumption to be like, oh, then I can speak back to them and maybe they understand it. Since I think understanding a language is much harder than speaking a language, at least it is for me like i feel like the spanish that i learned i can understand Mm. when people speak it to me but for me to try to conjugate it and return it is way tougher 
Um, oh, okay, yeah. You, I think yeah. you said it the opposite. Yeah, you said understanding was harder. Understanding is oh, usually yeah. easier. Yeah. Understanding is way yeah. easier. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I definitely, yeah. I, 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 I knew what like, you meant. <laughs> yeah, okay, good, thanks. As long yeah. as you knew. Hopefully the listeners know as well. <laughs> as <long laughs> yeah, well, with, with, with Japan, it's like there's, it would take you, you know, a decade to be fluent. So just, oh, you yeah. know, hard code a handful of phrases that you think you'll need, like bathroom, uh, you know, like I'll have this on just mm-hmm. point on a menu. Right. And be uh, be willing to be adventurous. I kind of gave up pretty quickly and decided I'll just eat whatever they bring to me. Right. <laughs> it's like, I'm here to I explore don't... new food. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, I don't have any major allergies, so let's just go with this. <laughs> let's go with it. Yeah. <laughs> good times yeah it'll be exciting i'm excited for it yeah well uh this episode didn't get as deep as it does sometimes but it's been really fun yeah man i i, I feel like we could probably talk about language for another hour but uh oh, yeah <laughs> we we don't have to necessarily get into that tonight yeah and it's really hot i think it's time to turn the air conditioner back on same same here same here <laughs> alexa turn on the air conditioner nice 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 all right well i'll talk to you later all right sounds good man i'll see you soon see ya